The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the TOST Toddcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network, found online at belmontmedia.org slash podcasts and also at soundcloud.com by searching Belmont Media. You can listen to the Toddcast at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. I'm Todd Bloniars from the award-winning Time Out for Sports Talk TV show available on BMC channels 8, 9, 28, and 29 and also on demand at belmontmedia.org. Glad to be joined here in studio tonight by Howie McClellan, who's manning the uh, Studio B co-pilot seat. Howie, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and I just want to let everyone know that that disclaimer is put out there because of me. <laughs> Enough said. Actually, uh, you know, the truth is we all have to read that disclaimer, so uh, it is not uh, that was not written uh, just uh, because you were coming in tonight. But, ah, darn. Uh, but uh, glad to have you, of course. Uh, it's a new year, new season, second season, of course, for the New England Patriots, and a wonderful little tradition that uh, we're doing for the uh, the eighth straight year uh, with a uh, first-round bye for the Pats, our uh, playoff specials, which we've now moved uh, from the TV side over here to the podcast side uh, for convenience purposes. And uh, uh, here we go again. I know eighth straight year, uh, Patriots, you know, first-round bye, uh, no wild-card game, and play it at home. And they've won the last six in a row and looking to uh, hopefully uh, make it seven uh, this year and uh, start another run towards another Lombardi trophy. Well, it's always nice when you get to stay at home throughout the playoffs and not to be traveling. You know, that's such a big plus for the team. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are very pleased to be joined uh, on the line here by uh, Christopher Price, uh, who covers the Patriots for the Boston Sports Journal. You can find him online. You actually can find the Boston Sports Journal online at bostonsportsjournal.com. Uh, he's also the author of the uh, the book Drive for Five, Remarkable Run of the 2016 Patriots, which is available on Amazon and uh, many fine bookstores. Chris, uh, thank you for joining us again here on the TOST Toddcast. And I guess uh, my question would be, are you already uh, thinking about writing another book uh, as a sequel to uh, the one you, you put out last year? Yeah, you know what? The Patriots are nothing if not good for business, if you're, if you're an author. Uh, the... the there is some talk, and I can tell you guys this, that if they do end up winning it all, that we would re-release the book in paperback and add another chapter on and kind of, you know, talk a little bit about what has become a very eventful 2017 season, at least to this point. So the possibility is there, so we shall see how it all plays out. Well, like I always say to Todd, it's not if, it's when. <laughs> when they win number six. <laughs> there you go. Well, if you need an idea for uh, you know, for your extra chapter, uh, Chris, of course, your book was called Drive for Five, maybe, I don't know. Uh, the Tricks Fix for Six. The Fix for Six. There you go. I like it. That actually was better than mine, which was, was Tricks for Six. There, there, so there's nothing that really kind of rolls off the tongue in the same fashion. I know that... People were pushing kind of blitz for six, and that's kind of you know I'm not, I don't know I don't know how I feel about that one, but we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll try and come up with a grabber for for the next one if it happens. Well, Chris, I know we don't have a lot of time with you. I do appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your uh, schedule to join us here for this uh, special Patriot playoff preview. And I do want to get into the uh, divisional playoff game against the Tennessee Titans. But, of course, uh, we can't avoid the big elephant in the room, which was the uh, the uh, story from uh, Seth Wickersham on ESPN.com last week. And uh, now it's had about uh, three or four days uh, 
to uh, have everyone kind of dissect and analyze it. Uh, what uh, are some of your initial takes uh, from that story? How much of it do you believe uh, could be true, is true? You know, are, are things ending, uh, you know, with the Patriot dynasty as we know it? Well, I, I think that there are a couple of, of big takeaways as far as I'm concerned. I, I always think about this. When it comes to, to, to football in New England, it's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is when it comes to stories like this. The truth for me always lies somewhere in the middle, and I think that's the case here. I do think there is a feeling that a window, a time period, whatever you want to call it, is kind of coming to an end. And, and I've referenced this on a couple of occasions before, but it's more about the, the coordinators, you know, whether it's McDaniels or Patricia. Uh, you know, this franchise could be going through the same process that they went through at the end of the 2004 season when they lost Charlie Weiss and Roman Cornell. Kind of had to hit the reset button a little bit, at least when it comes to a coaching perspective. There is, there was some level of tension. I, I do know uh, my colleague Greg Bedard wrote a great piece a few weeks ago kind of detailing what he knew about the relationship between Brady and Belichick and Guerrero. Uh, my thought process is if it has not already happened, it is going to happen where they all kind of get in a room and figure it out because I think that history tells us these guys are so clear-eyed and practical that they understand the reality of the situation. They can get this hashed out. They're nothing if not you know very sobering when it comes to things like this. So, uh, again, if, if the meeting has not already happened, I would expect it to happen not too soon after you know the, the end of the season where they all get in a room, they sit down, they figure it out and say, look, you know, we're going to reach a reach an agreement, some level of agreement here, sooner rather than later. We're going to get this all squared away. And my prediction, I still believe it to be true. I made it when the, when the story broke. I still believe it to be true. Belichick is going to be the coach of this team start of 2018. Brady's going to be the coach. Our, I'm sorry, Brady's going to be the quarterback, the starting quarterback for this team at the start of the 2018 season. And they're going to be able to put this past them. Yeah, like, like I said to Todd earlier, yeah, it, it, like you just said, you know, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think there is some truth to some of the story. Do I think that the legs of the story have grown way too long? Sure they have. But after 18 years together, of course there's going to be a little friction. I was telling him earlier, I've been married for 33 years. You think me and my wife have gotten along and, and agreed on everything in 33 years? Not a chance. But are we still married after 33 years? Yes, we are. Because we figured yeah, that, that, out that's and we the work thing. at it. Was funny. I was talking, I was talking to someone about this just, just a little while ago that, I would be concerned if this was a coach and a quarterback in, say, their first, second, third, fourth year together. Uh, the fact that they've been together for almost 20 years, you know, there have been beefs. They've figured out a way around it. They've figured out, you know, a solution to whatever problem that they faced as a duo. They're going to be able to do it again. I, 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 fully, I fully believe that, you know, that, that they're going to find a way to come to some sort of accord and they're going to be able to move past it and, you know, the start of the 2018 season. Everything will be kind of back to normal again, at least as normal as it as it is around the <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, Chris, uh, one of the first things uh, that went through my head when I uh, started to try to get through the the Wickersham piece was uh, I was thinking about the movie Cocktail, which actually this year is. Uh, celebrating its 30th anniversary, and there's a great line in that movie from the Tom Cruise character, who was uh, the young bartender in that movie. He goes, uh, everything ends badly, otherwise it wouldn't end. And this article by Wickersham kind of sort of speaks to that, and it, just like you said, Chris, that yeah, it is going to end probably sooner rather than later. I mean, it's been 18 yeah. years now, and uh, 
you know, there's not much time left for, uh, you know, the, the shelf life of, uh, you know, Belichick or Brady for that matter. And, uh, yeah, we should just uh, appreciate it while it lasts. One thing, you know, you brought up with uh, the, the coaches leaving, you know, both coordinators, uh, you know, the symmetry of this, uh, if you think about it, when, you know, Cornell and Weiss both leave after they won three out of four, uh, you know, three Super Bowls in four years, you know, won the first year, lost the second year, won the next two. Same pattern full unfolding here, you know, one, you know, one uh, 49 and 51. If they win this year, you know, you complete the three out of four, again, another mini dynasty. And, and those two coordinators go off into the sunset. And, and I guess Belichick hits the reset button, uh, promotes from within on his staff. Yeah. And, and you, you start to look at guys like Brian Flores, who, who I think is held in very high esteem by the organizational linebackers coach, coach safeties before. He is clearly a, a guy on the rise within the, the walls of Gillette Stadium. Chad O'Shea, I think, is another guy on the offensive side of the ball, the wide receivers coach, been there almost 10 years now, thought of just as highly uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So those are two names, the wild card and all this. And I'll throw this out there, and I, I, we had this about a month or so ago over at Boston Sports Journal, making a call to Brian Dable and having him come back from, you know, from Alabama to, to become the new offensive coordinator, just add another zero or two to his contract, and, and he becomes the offensive coordinator in New England. So, and then the other one is, and we've, you know, we've gone through this before with his franchise, that Belichick just does not name an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. And just, you know, while, while he has guys to fill those roles, they're, you know, they, they don't have the title quite yet. So there's a lot of possibilities here for this team going forward if they do end up losing one or both their coordinators. Uh, but I think I will say this for sure, that the chances are really good, at least on the defensive side of the ball, they would promote from within. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that it, it seems like it's uh, Patricia that they, they got dead set that's gone, and there isn't a lot you know, being said again about McDaniels. Is he just... You know, trying to wait for the perfect situation, or, or is is he a little gun shy after what happened? Because I mean, you would think yeah, he would be yeah, the hot I, commodity. I, that, that's a great question, and, and I think that some of it is. Look, you can only, you only get so many bites of the apple when you know when it comes to a head coaching gig, and, and I think that Josh needs to be a little bit, and I'm like holding my thumb and my forefinger like one sixteenth of an inch apart, a little bit more cautious than Matt here, because chances are good he's not going to get a third shot. So I think he has to be a little bit more discerning when it comes to this sort of thing. But, yeah, I, the, the big takeaway with Patricia, and, and I always tell people this, that he doesn't look like a traditional head coach, but when you sit down with him, when you really talk to him, this is a really, really smart guy. And I think he interviews really well. I mean, last year I know he impressed the people, you know, I, I know he impressed the folks that, that he interviewed with, and, and it's my understanding he was also very, very impressive this time around. I think he'd be a great fit in Detroit. I, I really do. When you consider the background that he's had with Bob Quinn, when you go there, he could focus on the defense. You have Jim Bob Cooter on the offensive side of the ball, who already has the trust of a guy like Matthew Stafford. A team that is middle of the road, not great, not bad, but could use a little bit of a boost to, you know, to kind of get over that hump and make them you know, a, a really solid playoff team. I, I think that would be the perfect job for him at this stage of his career. But with rumors abound here, Chris, it's interesting, uh, you know, today uh, the breaking news with the uh, New York Giants uh, that, uh, that Patricia's in the mix there, almost kind of in some ways leapfrogs over McDaniels, who had been rumored for the last couple of weeks to uh, to be, uh, you know, I guess, did he interview, did McDaniels officially interview for the Giants job? McDaniels, not to my knowledge, although this stuff has happened, so, look, honestly, this stuff has happened so quickly, it's entirely possible I could have missed it, you know, because there's been so many moving parts over the last couple of weeks here. Look, I, I think the fascinating thing about McDaniels is 
the Colts' job. And I can't, honestly, having covered the team since 2001, I can't believe we're at a point now because of the blood feud that existed between these two franchises for like a decade plus that we're actually talking about an offensive coordinator from New England going to be the head coach in, in, in Indianapolis. But it remains a possibility right now for a couple of reasons, including the fact that it's a young roster. It's set up relatively well for the future. But the other thing, too, in, when it, like I referenced before with McDaniels, is he's got to make the right choice. He really does because, again, he's not going to get a third shot at this. So if he does take a head coaching job, and if it is in Indianapolis, he has to be damn sure that it is the right job, that he is set up for success as well as possible moving forward. Now, do you think a lot of that would hinge on whether uh, Andrew Luck would be uh, yes. able to play? Yes. Yeah. I, I Look, I, I know that he has a, a good relationship with Jacoby Brissett, but I, in all honesty, if, I, if I'm Josh McDaniels, I have to take a second, third, fourth look at those Andrew Luck x-rays yeah. and really <laughs> kick those tires because if Andrew Luck is not healthy, I mean, that whole thing doesn't work. In, you know, it's not an ideal situation to be in. I, look, I love Jacoby Brissett. But Andrew Luck is, is the future. He's the franchise there. And if you understand that you don't have a healthy Andrew Luck going forward, I think that changes the dynamic there greatly in 2018 and beyond. Yeah, and for what it's worth, Chris, uh, as far as the blood feud with the uh, the Patriots and Colts goes, uh, I think the main protagonist in that in the recent blood feud, anyway, uh, Bill Polian's long gone and not connected oh, yeah, to the franchise yeah, anymore. True. And I think that you know, that does make it different. Point. But still, I, did, I mean, you guys remember what it was like? It was these two franchises hated each other. Oh, sure. There yeah. was no. It was in in it's it's like. It, 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 I guess what it's 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 it'd be a Yankees. It was like a Yankees Red Sox kind of a thing. It'd be like if you know I don't know. I I, I don't know. I'm I think Bra- Brady and Peyton Manning too. I think you know kind of helped yeah. to stir that uh, rivalry and make it what it was. I, you know that's a, that's a fair point. That is that's 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 a completely fair point. Yeah, it's a surprising. You know, you, you, again, you go back to the Detroit job. I mean, you got Stafford there. You got a good quarterback. I mean, you got a lot of things in place there. You know, you think maybe that would be the one that he might have been uh, more apt to go after, as opposed to you know worrying about Indianapolis and Andrew Luck or you know things like that. But yeah, but you know what though? I, it's my understanding, at least right now, they really like Jim Bob Cooter, but they don't like him enough to be the head coach. So any deal that would be in place in Detroit would be contingent on the new coach coming in and working with Jim Bob Cooter. So I, I think that would be, I think that would probably preclude McDaniels at least initially from, from showing much interest in the job. It's my understanding that they want to go on the defensive side of the ball. So that's one of the reasons why I say Patricia would be a good fit. But look, the whole thing is, you know, we, we, I have a feeling this thing is going to have a lot more chapters yeah, going forward. So. I, I was going to say, with a name like Jim Bob, he'd be more like apt to be coaching the Permian Panthers down in Texas and Odessa. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? That's a great point. Although, you know what? He and Stafford are on the same page, and you got, you know, you got Stafford that you know, raised his game a little bit over the last couple of years. They just need a little bit of a boost. You know, that, that team, it, it's, it's the toughest thing in the world to go, if you have a team that's about 500, that's you know, anywhere between 7 and 9 and 9 and 7, it's tougher to go from that to say twelve and four than it is to go from like three and thirteen to like nine and seven. It's just you know getting over that hump and becoming a a perennial playoff contender. That's what they're dealing with now in Detroit, 
and they, you know, they're they're looking for the guy to take them there. And I think Matt Patricia might yeah. be that guy. I was gonna say, so you're saying Cleveland would be the better choice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Howie, it is very funny that you bring up the the Browns there because maybe not the current incarnation of the Browns, but the the previous one has actually won more playoff games since 1957. The Detroit Lions, who've won one playoff game since 1957, one playoff win in 60 years <laughs> for that uh, franchise. I mean, if you're the Lions, I think you gotta look to try to make a maybe a bigger splash because it's like how long you know i know they've got loyal fans there but you know they're taking it to a new level uh <laughs> all right <laughs> go ahead chris no i was gonna say maybe you know they they you know they're looking for the next sean mcveigh you know the guy who can you know take them from you know the the, the depth to, to where they need to be so i Look, the whole thing is fascinating, and again, you know, the carousel is going to keep spinning here for another for another week or two at least. And so is the whole Brady Garoppolo dynamic, but we don't really have time for that. Given I know you've only got a few more minutes, so I, I kind of want to move ahead to, to this Saturday's game, uh, the Patriots and the Titans. Uh, Titans will be trying to win in Foxborough for the first time since they were the Houston Oilers back in 1993. Actually, that was before we started our show. Uh, it was a year before we started Time Out for Sports Talk. But, uh, yeah, so it predates it even predates us here. But, uh, I, you know, you look at the way they came back, uh, the Titans did against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Very impressive comeback for Marcus Mariota. But if you just look at all the, the stats between these two teams, where they rank offensively, defensively, the weaknesses of the Titans, I mean, I mean, do you see any scenario where this is going to be a, a competitive game for four quarters and, and that the Titans could maybe steal a, a win? here the titans need multiple breakdowns for the patriots on, on both sides they need a special team screw up they need you know a, a busted coverage they need you know something to happen multiple things to happen and then they also need marcus Mariota to play the best game of his life and, and that's an awful tall order for a team that is still kind of coming together i'm not saying it can't happen i mean you know we saw it here in 2010 where the Jets came in and upset the Patriots in the divisional round, but I, I don't think that that's going to happen this yeah. time around. Yeah, I think New England is just too strong. They have too many weapons on both sides of the ball, and I, and I think that when you really kind of start to take a hard look at the numbers, like the the one that I've repeated on multiple occasions, and you know I'll tell you guys, is the Titans the worst team in the league when it comes to defending running backs in the passing game, and, and I think that's going to play a huge role on Saturday night. You know whether it's Deion Lewis or you know we saw Rex Burkett out there in practice today or James White. The Patriots are going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to move the ball fairly consistently, uh, both on the ground and in the air. And I just think it's going to be too much for Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to be able to put some points up on the board, and I think Derrick Henry has a chance to hit 100 yards rushing. But like all stats, you kind of got to put them in context. I don't think ultimately it's going to be enough. I think New England ends up winning this thing by like two touchdowns. Yeah, and I think from the, I was just watching the weather here before I came down, and now they're talking the temperatures are going to drop into the 20s during the game, and they're talking okay. like ice and everything, I think that, again, the weather will play right into our hands again because, you know, pets get up real quick. It's going to be really tough to come back in those type of weather conditions. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I mean, you know, the wild card game aside, I think, I think the Chiefs kind of gave them you know, that as opposed to them coming back. But I, you know, this, this, this Titans team is not set up to be a quick strike offense. They have to have a lot of things working in their favor. And they have to have defense. They have to have breakdowns on the defensive side of the ball to be able to take advantage of that. Kudos to them for for taking advantage of the situation last week in the wild card game. If the same thing happens this time around, I don't think they will have the same sort of opportunities when it comes to New England versus Kansas City. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at, at some stats here. You talked about. Uh, uh, Derrick Henry uh, maybe having a big game, an interesting stat for the season. Uh, when the Titans have had, uh, when they as a team, when they've rushed for over 100 yards in a game this year, they're actually undefeated. They're seven and zero. When they've rushed for under 100, they're they're three and seven. 
And uh, the Patriots actually have allowed over 100 yards uh, rushing to uh, their opponents in 10 of their 16 games this year. So that that's an interesting part. But like you mentioned with the running back stat, uh, you know, certainly uh, the Titans defense weak against uh, defending uh, on the, uh, the the pass catching of the running backs. Actually, why don't you, Chris, get us up to date on the injury situation with guys who've been banged up the last few weeks. How many of Brady's weapons are going to be there, uh, starting with uh, Chris Hogan, Rex Burkhead, uh, and the like? Uh, what, what are you hearing right now or seeing? We know Burkhead has been struggling um, for the last couple of weeks with a knee injury. Jeff Howell, the Boston Herald, reported today that he was limping fairly badly in practice, but he's been out there. He's been limited. Hogan, it's it's my understanding that Hogan is going to be able to play. Alan Branch, we talked to him in the locker room today as well. Over on the defensive side of the ball, he said he feels optimistic about being able to play come Saturday night. Mike Gillisley, I don't think, is going to play, but I think when you consider the depth that they have at running back, it's not that big a hit for them to take. Uh, but, you know, they, they feel good about where they are, at least health-wise. You know, they're as healthy as they can be at this stage of the season. So uh, from, from, from that perspective, I think it's a, it's, it's a, they, they feel optimistic about, you know, where they are going into this game. Is it going to be a Malcolm Mitchell uh, sighting? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't. And, and, you know, my gut feeling is that he's going he's gonna, to – he's not going to make it, you know. He's – the, the the deadline is is fast approaching for him to be activated, and I, you know having missed the last two days, I think that's a bad sign for for him when it comes to you know his his availability later in the postseason. So if I had to if I had to you know bookmark it right now or put a percentage on it right now, I'd probably say. You know, seventy-five, twenty-five. He's not coming back for this season. Well, that's pr- probably good for Kenny Britt then. <laughs> the, yeah, keep yeah, him around. You're, you're, this and Philip Dorsett. One of those kind of semi-unexpected performances. I know in the AFC Championship game last year, Chris Hogan surprised a lot of people with his production. I think they're going to need someone between now and the end of the season to kind of assert themselves on offense. Maybe it's Mike Gillisley coming back in a week or two and having a big game, or you know Rex Burkhead putting up big numbers, or Deion Lewis continuing to you know do what he's been able to do over the last six weeks or so. So I, I, I do think that while they are set up relatively well on the offensive side of the ball. They could always use a jolt from, from someone unexpected. So, you know, whether it's Kenny Britt or, you know, uh, even if, if, if Malcolm Mitchell does come back, we'll see, or Mike Gillisley, one of those guys. I, I think, you know, they're, they're going to need a little bit of help on the offensive side of the ball if they ultimately want to get to where they want to be. Yeah, I agree with that, Chris. One name you didn't mention, you ran off all, pretty much every offensive name, but you left out uh, one name that's been, I think he's been conspicuously quiet this year, uh, James White. I mean, think you know. You remember what obviously what he did in last year's Super Bowl, and you know this year he's, he's fourth on the team in receptions with 56, but only has 429 receiving yards, 171 rushing yards. I, you know, I thought he might have had a shot at, at finishing with you know maybe closer to you know a thousand yards combined between rushing and yeah. receiving, and, and he, it feels like he just has not been. I, I know he's been banged up the last couple of weeks. What's his status supposed to be for Saturday, especially now that you're saying Burkhead looks like he he's probably doubtful. Uh, what you know, and then how are they going to be able to integrate? Uh, White into the offense because, like you said, uh, the Titans don't defend well against pass-catching running backs, and well, that's exactly James White's game. Yeah, it really is. White went down with an ankle injury in the Steelers game, and he really hasn't been himself since. I think part of his uh, the dip in his overall production is due to Deion Lewis's emergence. I think Lewis has done a very good job both in the passing game and the running game of putting up incredible numbers, uh, you know, across the board. So. I think that's part of it. I also think, too, that they like to rotate guys, and they like to keep guys fresh. And, you know, if you, if you didn't necessarily need him, put it this way, if the two games at the end of the year were must-win games, 
Maybe you see, maybe you see James White, and maybe you lean on him a little bit more than than you did. But I think you know it was one of those situations where they were confident in what Deion Lewis was doing, and so they said, you know what, let's have you sit for a week or two and get right for the postseason. So I think that's where they are right now with with um, I'm sorry, with with James White. But yeah, you know that's a guy you talk about a guy with a great postseason pedigree. They don't get much better than than what he was able to accomplish at this time last year. What about what about the James Harrison? Uh... Situation. I mean, is is he going to be one of those guys that's just going to like be a shooting star and, and just make the end of the season great, or, or is he just along for the ride? Yeah, and just to piggyback on how he's questioned really quick, Chris. You're looking uh, at a guy right now no. with with in, in James Harrison. You're looking at a guy who is going to be a rotational part of that front seven in, in 2000. You know, for the, for the end of the season for this playoff run, and then 2018 comes, and you know you're not sure. But I think he's going to be one of those guys. Who's going to be asked to set the edge on a fairly consistent basis? You know, maybe 25 snaps a game or so, uh, rush the passer on occasion, maybe drop into coverage once or twice. But yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be he's going to see some time this year. He's going to be part of that group. Well, yeah, Chris, to piggyback on how he's questioned there, uh, the, the Harrison uh, didn't. One of the reasons I thought that they picked him up maybe was for a potential matchup in the divisional round with Kansas City because he had had a, a pretty good game, made a couple big plays when the Steelers and Chiefs played earlier in the season. Yeah, he did. He really played well against Eric Fisher, the, the the Kansas City left tackle, and that would have been that would have been an absolutely ideal matchup if that had come to pass. But yeah, I think right now you're looking at a guy who was a contributor for 2017, and then you know he kind of you know recalibrate the expectation level going forward. It'll, it will be interesting to see you know if he wants to continue playing, what the Patriots' approach is going to be next year. Hey, the dude's got to be fresh. He hasn't played much during the season this year, so true. That's true. Not a lot of snaps. No. All right, Chris. Well, again, I, I know you, you got to run here. We appreciate your time. Hopefully we're going to be able to uh, uh, do this all again next week. Uh, hopefully we can arrange a time and, uh, you know, a night and time that uh, works for uh, all of us and we can uh, do this one more time uh, previewing the AFC Championship game. Sounds good. Take care, guys, and we'll talk soon. All, all right, Chris. Th- thanks th- for th- calling. Thanks a lot, Chris. Good night. Good night. All right, uh, that's, uh, again, Chris Price uh, from Boston Sports Journal. You can follow him, by the way, on Twitter at CPriceNFL, and uh, you can follow Boston Sports Journal on Twitter at Boston Sports BSJ. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, well, Howie, I mean, it's still uh, still a lot to uh, kind of talk a little bit about here. I was kind of looking at, through some of my... Uh, some of my little notes I had for this game. Actually, the one thing I was going to say to Chris, he joked that Mariota's going to have to have a big game. I guess I'll use the joke on you, Howie. Uh, Mariota would probably have to throw three touchdown passes to himself this week to have a chance uh, uh, yeah, to win. Sure, probably. <laughs> and I just don't see this kid coming in and, and doing anything against you know the Patriots and Belichick, especially, like I said, if the weather's going to be the way it is. Um, again, the, the story is only going to make the Patriots stronger, not weaker. You know, it, it pulls them together. You can already see it. Like, right off the bat, all right, we're talking about Tennessee. Anyone get any Tennessee questions? If not, that's all we're talking about, you know? Everybody, you know, we're focusing on the game. What about this? Yep, nope, Tennessee, any Tennessee? You know, so they're all shutting it out like they always do, and I'm sure inside they're saying, yep, we'll show them all, trying to mess with our heads, but not this time again. Yeah. You know, so I think this is just a positive for them. And really, out of all the matchups they could have potentially had this round, I mean, you know, obviously Kansas City was going to be tough. I mean, granted, you know, the odds that Kansas City yeah, was going to come in here. They beat us earlier. They did, and they were playing better, at least until last week. Uh, Buffalo, you got that old, uh, you can't beat a, it's tough to beat a team three times in one season. Uh, in this case, they would have had to beat them three times in like about six weeks. Yeah. Uh, incredible yeah, with the New schedule. New Orleans didn't have that 
that problem either. Yeah, no, that's true. No, they didn't. You're right, absolutely. Know. So you know, but Buffalo would have scared me more because they're a division team that we play a lot, well, and, and they yeah. know us. And and again, the weather wouldn't have affected them because they're used to playing in that kind of weather. Um, you know, I would have been probably more nervous of them than I am at Tennessee coming in, believe it or not. Yeah, no, and uh, in fact, uh, with Tennessee, I mean, you look at their roster and you know that the Patriots adage is always, you know, Belichick always looks to take away that the biggest weapon, which it has to be Derrick Henry the way he ran last mm-hmm. week and the way he's been running the last couple weeks. I mean, he, you know, career high 156 yards uh, and a touchdown a week ago. I mean, the guy is, I, I was looking at this, he's 6'3", 247. Kyle Van Noy is 6'3", 243. At least this is just based on what what's yeah. on, you know, would, on the listed on the rosters. Yeah, but wouldn't it be more like let Henry get his yards, let's let's try to let Mariota beat us? Well, how because, about you shut down Henry and you force Mariota yeah. to beat you? Because Mariota's had a bad year, uh, you know, and this is his third season in the league, and he kind of regressed a bit under Coach Mike Malarkey, which is one of the reasons Malarkey's been on the on the coaching hot seat to, to get yeah. fired there and probably saved his job with the, uh, the come-from-behind win last week at, at Arrowhead. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean... You know, I, w- I would say you probably want to let him. I mean, Mariota is very resourceful, and he showed that in the second yeah. half. Uh, you know, in the wild card game last week. But uh, I just think if if you can, you know, just put all your focus on Henry, and you you know you force. Uh, you know, the only other guy I'd be worried about on their offense might be Eric Decker, uh, who's a pretty good receiver. I know he's had yeah. a bad year, but you know, he's a guy who I remember is always having big catches against the Patriots, yeah. and I I think he's going to have at least one or two on Saturday. Yeah, that, it, was with, it was with the Jets, right? Right, yeah. and Denver before that. Okay, so. yeah. So I, I started saying I'm I said the exact. Yeah. Same thing. I said. I know this guy gives us a hard time. Yeah, he does. You know? It's it's more anecdotal. I don't really have his numbers against the Patriots, but it just always feels like he's you know big third down play, and he was always burning the Pats uh, secondary, making uh, big catches. But uh, yeah, no. As I, I you know, I kind of read those stats to Chris earlier about you know the weird stat with Tennessee when they run for over 100 yards as a team. They're seven and zero, and the Patriots have a have allowed over 100 yards uh, you know in 10 of their 16 games. But a, another stat. But with the how Pats, many of those 10 games have we lost, giving up 100 yards? Well, and then here's another. I'll add on to that. In the last eight games, Patriots have only allowed a one rushing touchdown. That was to Le'Veon Bell. And, in fact, on the season, they've only allowed six rushing touchdowns the whole year. So And, that and you know, who's second in the league? Or, or actually, they're second overall. Uh, with that number, you know who's first, who's given up the fewest? Who? Actually, the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> with five. But, uh, and, and, in fact, the Patriots only allowed six rushing touchdowns last season. So 12, 12 rushing touchdowns allowed by this defense in, in the last two seasons. I hope this doesn't become like the movie Remember the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, forget I hope, the Titans. <laughs> I hope not. Right. Well, you know, uh, Tennessee, I mean, they, you know, they have a minus uh, point differential for the year. They're a minus uh, turnover margin uh, where the Patriots have pluses in both of those. So, yeah, I mean, I just, and, and of course, the odds makers of what, uh, I think the early line was 14, yeah. I think. Yeah. I thought I saw thirteen and a half, but fourteen. It's all it's right in yeah. that area. And you're fat. You, you you brought up the weather a couple of times, and you're right. I think that's going to be an issue too, because that's uh, especially yeah. if the Pats get up quick. You know. Well, they, that's it. If they get up quick, the game's over. Yeah, it's I mean, demoralizing when it's like twenty degrees out and it's icy yeah. and it's cold and it's freezing and it's you've been off on the road and you know it's like don't let them don't let them stay in the game. That's the only way Tennessee, I think, can win is if somehow they can stay in the game until late in the third quarter and they actually think they have a chance. You know, if this pass just stomp on them right off the bat, you know, the old typical, you know, go down first couple of series, score, just put them right back on their heels because if they do, then they can start teeing off defensively. They know Mariota's going to have to pass the ball. Right. And he, I don't see him 
of them losing to him if he's got they got to depend on him passing. Yeah, you know, you're right. You take Henry out of the game and you put right if you put it all on Mariota's arm again the way he's been throwing this year and just his overall numbers. Good young quarterback. He I is. mean, got don't, a don't mean anything future. bad. Yeah, but I just I think if you add that all up with that same that scenario we just described, he's not going to beat him. Speaking of, you know, you, you're kind of tying this in with the whole coaching situation with, you know, guys like McDaniels and Patricia. If Malarkey was to get, let's say Tennessee gets blown out this weekend, which we're kind of thinking might happen. If it's a total blowout, they don't even compete, and Malarkey does get fired. I know he got the vote of confidence last week, but, yeah, you that's, know, that's, right. that's bad. <laughs> How about this? You know, they fire Malarkey and they bring McDaniels in. Yeah. With a young quarterback, that might be a good landing good running spot back. for, right, yeah. good landing spot for McDaniels as well. Um, yeah, but like I said, I think he's like, I think he's looking, I think he's looking to be able to like take over the Patriots and the way they're playing, and and you know that'll be his perfect landing spot because you know as we alluded to earlier, he's not gonna do anything unless he thinks it's the perfect situation this time because as Chris said earlier, you usually don't get a third chance. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. Unless you're successful the second time and you mm. retire or you, you whatever. Yeah. You know. Right. Well, yeah, Bel- just take Belichick. This is chance number two for him, and obviously it's uh, yeah. turned out a lot better than this first opportunity with the Browns. So. Exactly. Well, that, yeah. I think Cleveland is where players and coaches go to die. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, either there or Detroit is what we were just kind of talking about. You know, your thoughts on uh, the, the wild card games last week and any other uh, kind of just general thoughts about the games? And uh, uh, They I were was, all competitive. Yeah, I mean, I, I was amazed. I, I, I loved uh, Jacksonville's defense. Uh, but when your quarterback runs for more yards and he passes for, that's not a good sign. So I, I, as much as they say defense wins championships, you got to have some offense, mm. you know. And like I said, your quarterback passes for more, uh, runs for more than he passes. I, I don't see that them going that far. Although that defense was great. Um, New Orleans scares me. They're, they're playing. They've they've cranked it up. They're starting to play. Good football. They were playing poorly at the beginning of the year, but they've really picked it up here at the end. Seems like, you know, all cylinders are clicking. Breeze is clicking. Um, who was the other games? Um, okay. Well, the Chiefs-Titans, which we kind yeah, of talked about a little bit, and, and then, then uh, uh, the Rams-Falcons. Yeah, uh, Falcons. Yeah. I, the, Fal- the Falcons, I'm a little concerned because, again, they, it looked early in the year that they were suffering that hangover from the Super Bowl, and they've slowly, it's like they've, gotten off that hangover and they're starting to play good football again. Yeah. So they, that could be I, I could see a New Orleans Atlanta uh, NFC championship. That would be very interesting. They shut down one of the t- uh, the, the uh, should say the Falcons shut down one of the top scoring offenses this season with uh, the Rams. I mean everyone talks you know yeah. the Rams having a good defense but uh, their offensive numbers uh, scoring this year were really impressive. So yeah, that's uh, that was interesting. Uh, you talk. We about, saw how good the Falcons uh, yeah. were last year. I mean, yeah, they blew the lead and everything, but mm. they ran over us for, uh, for they did. three quarters. Oh yeah. yeah, you know. I mean, let's face it, we were all crying in our in our beer. Right, you know, and if they conti- game. and had they continued to literally run over the Patriots, run the ball, hand off the ball, run out the clock, Patriots wouldn't have had time to come back. So, exactly. Some, so. some very questionable calls there. Um, you know, with the. Uh, well, you know, getting back to, you said Jacksonville's defense, getting back to their defense for a second, do you think they have any chance to go into Pittsburgh this week and do what they did to the Steelers earlier this year when Roethlisberger actually had the, one of the worst games of his career? He threw five interceptions, and the, the, the Jaguars won 30-9. to nine. Yeah. I just have a feeling that the Steelers are going to remember that, and, and yeah. I just can't see it happening again. Yeah, no, I'd be very shocked, too. You know, and again, I'll go back to, you know, Bortles. I just don't see him as leading them. To where they need to be, especially now that the playoffs have, uh, have come along. You have to again watch his performance last week. Again, 
good young quarterback. I don't know how much more growth he has, though, because he's been playing for a few years now. You know, and he seems like, I don't want to say he's so much regressed, but it doesn't seem like he's grown. You know, to where they were. I mean, I think at the beginning of the year, they were talking about him not even being the starting quarterback. Yeah. You know, so I don't see that happen. I see Pittsburgh romping on them. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree. I just yeah, they they don't have the offensive firepower to keep up with the Steelers, and I I just no. don't think their defense would be able to hold the the Steelers to like you know ten points or, or some really. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I'm the Patriots are going to have problems if they have to play that offense. I mean, they got a lot of weapons on offense, Pittsburgh. I know. We all you think know? because of the you know you hear all the history, Brady versus the Steelers, and Brady ver you know uh, the Steelers run the same kind of defense and everything. But yeah, I think this Pittsburgh defense you know their offense is different this year. I think they have a lot of weapons. We saw it in the uh, in the game this year in December. I mean, yeah. they did put up 24 points, and that was with Antonio Brown missing, you know, about three quarters of that game. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, there's too many weapons if they're all healthy. And then, you know, the Steelers' defense is, is pretty decent. I mean, they, you know, they, they did a number on the Pats early on in that game, too. So, yeah, that's, you know, everyone thinks it's going to be an automatic out. You know, the Pats are just going to go on to the Super Bowl. You could rubber stamp it and, and yeah. put them in. But I, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't see it that way. And I'll be curious to see if that turns out to be the AFC Championship matchup, what the, like, the early line will be because, you know, the, the folks in Vegas always seem to have an idea how these things are going to play out. It's amazing. I, I mean, <laughs> as, much, as much as I watch this stuff and favorites and point spreads and everything, it's, they're always pretty much right there, and I would love to know their formula. <laughs> I really would. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, analysis and you know, but, but I'd love to. I mean, e, e, and, and, and I'm not, and I, yeah, but I'm not thinking even and to say so I could do it to beat it. I'd just like to see it and how they figure it out mm. because they they always are pretty much right there. You know, it, it's amazing how they do that. Yeah, and you you brought up uh, the Saints too uh, earlier the way they've been playing. I mean, the thing with Drew Brees, who was a good veteran quarterback who's already won a Super Bowl in his career. Now he's got a solid running game behind him. He's got a good defense behind him. I kind of thought before the playoffs started, my prediction was for the new Super Bowl. New England, New Orleans. Yeah, it's very possible. After watching them the other night. Brady and Breeze, that would be a great matchup in uh, Minneapolis if uh, the comes to fruition. I, you know, and that's the thing, you know, you look at this week's games and, uh, you know, so New Orleans and Minnesota – I, I think the Vikings, I, you know, it's it's Case Keenum. I know he's, you know, well exceeded expectations this year. And, and the Vikings do have a good defense, and, and they've managed to find a, a way despite a, a lot of injuries. I don't think anyone saw them getting a, a bye and, and, you know, no. moving on to the divisional round in the NFC this year. But I, I also think there's going to be a little pressure on that team in the back of their minds going, you know what, if we play our cards right, you know, we, we win here and, you know, we win another one. We're back home for the uh, Super Bowl, which would be hi- historical. No team has ever played in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. But I, I just think that's – I'd like the Saints actually on the road uh, this week to go win in, um, in Minnesota. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like the Saints are, are peaking at the right time, and, and that's, what's, that's what's good for them, especially because they had such a rocky beginning. You know, but just seems to get a little stronger, a little stronger, a little stronger. And like I said, and watching them this weekend, you know, they look pretty good. It, you know, actually, I was watching the game with my wife. You know, and I was explaining to her about this guy Breeze and how you know San Diego passed him up for, you know, got rid of him to keep Philip Rivers, and mm. he's done nothing but win, win, and win a Super Bowl. And well, not San Diego, the Los Angeles yeah, Chargers, right? as we'll call them now, <laughs> haven't won anything, and Philip Rivers hasn't won anything. So you know, mm. you. You know, he's too small. He was almost like a Doug Flutie story. He can't play. Yeah. You know, he's not going to bring us anywhere. And you know what? 
He's done a darn good job out there. I mean, yes, career numbers are right up there with the best of all time as far as yeah. quarterbacks go. I think it's like, you know, it's Brady, Breeze, Manning are the three guys that you, you know, as far as passing, career passing yardage, you, you throw their their names out there. Exactly. Now, yeah, now in the other, uh, you know, and that actually that uh, New Orleans-Minnesota game, which is the last of the four games this weekend, could turn out to be one of the, the best as far as, you know, it should be a pretty competitive game. Uh, but, you know, the, on the other NFC matchup that kind of starts off the weekend, Atlanta goes to Philadelphia. They're favored on the road playing the number one seed in the, in the the Eagles and I kind of understand it because you know hey it's not Carson Wentz at quarterback for the Eagles it, it's uh it's Nick Foles but I don't know don't dismiss you know Foles because I he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league and he's won with the Eagles before and the the truth is I mean you know they've got a lot of other talented players on that roster and they are going to be at home in front of a raucous crowd that's going to definitely try to get in Matt Ryan's ear uh I, I just think uh yeah it's I could see the Eagles uh, pulling off what is going to be an upset, a home underdog in the playoffs. Kind of crazy. but Yeah, I was, I was looking at that, and that's the first thing I said was it's because of Foles is the reason that they're a, a home underdog. But I think that will play out in the end because, yeah, he has played well with them and he has won, but he's still Nick Foles. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's too bad because I think if Wentz was playing, the Eagles would be the team to fear coming out of the NFC. You know, but with when he went down, I, I think a lot of their hopes went down. Yeah, no, it, it, you're right. I mean, certainly, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tougher road for them. But uh, you know, look, Eric Blunch, uh, you know, Jay Adai, uh, they got a couple good running backs there. I mean, maybe they can kind of take some of the they pressure. Got a good off defense. Holes. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, know. it's. You know, but like you also pointed out, you, you know, the Falcons might have finally gotten it. You know, they're figuring it out. Their defense has come around. I mean, like I said, they held the Rams in check. And, you know, uh, Ryan. You know what their offense can do. Yeah, when it's clicking, right. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that hangover was going to last all year. And that he missed, usually the teams that lose the Super Bowl don't even make the playoffs the next year. And they had to win their last game to get in. Now they're, they're kind of taking advantage of it, uh, you know, making it to the, uh, you know, the round of eight here. So yeah, uh, they're, they're probably saying that, hey, we blew it last time. We got a chance again now so let's let's not do it again this time so mm. you know that that may work well for them at this point now i, I we didn't uh, get a chance to ask chris for a score on the uh, the pats titans game but i'll ask you what do you think uh 38 14 pats wow okay yeah i'm not not gonna go that big i think i'm gonna say uh I'm going to say 31-13, I think, uh, something in that. Uh, it's, it's close. Close. Well, it's close. But, well, I'm not going to go that high. Okay, 24 versus 18. Okay, you're right. I got him one less touchdown, so I guess you're right. It's really not that. I don't know. I was just I, – I, I didn't have a score in mind. I was just kind of throwing it. Yeah, well, that's what I did. I just did. wrote I can, it down and said, okay, that looks uh, Yeah, I think, I, think the, uh, I think the pass are just going to step on them early and just keep on going, mm. you know. Yeah. Not to dwell too much again on this Wickersham story, but, uh, you know, the whole, you know, like I, said, like I told you, I think before we just started the podcast, the, the timing of the story coming out, you know, the Friday of the Patriots bye week uh, just was kind of out there for all the local media to just, you know, consume and, you know, offer up their their crazy opinions and how, you know, they're, they're Oliver Stone, everything's a conspiracy, uh, you know, everything's going wrong. You know, but the timing of this story is similar to the timing. You know, we mentioned this, of course, on our shows, the, the timing of the Garoppolo trade, which still seems kind of, you know, which is why there might be some merit to some of the things in the story, because, you know, why why wouldn't you hang on to Garoppolo the whole year? What, like, what if the Patriots, you know, what say they win the Super Bowl again? I know Brady says he wants to play five more years, but what if he says, well, six Super Bowls, I'm happy now, and well, what, what he if walks he, away? What if he gets crunched in this game and, and, yeah, and they too. need a backup? Yeah, you know, we're gonna Brian Hoyer gonna lead us to the promised land. <laughs> probably not. Although we, I, you know, I don't. Again, I mean, I think he can probably 
do a decent job running the offense. Yeah. I don't know, probably not Brady levels, but uh, no, of course not. But I mean, it, it especially when you heard now he's coming out of Cleveland, they offered him the number four, the fourth pick, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, it's just again, there is some truth to everything that's being said. I, I really, really believe that, but. I just think the media, once again, has been trying to create a bigger story than that's there, and there's just more stuff being said. Like I said to you earlier, the report that uh, Brady celebrated when he found out Garoppolo got traded, even if he did want him traded, he wouldn't do that because it's just not his style. You know, He wouldn't show that. He wouldn't let people know that. So where do stories like that come from? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's all Again, I hate to be hate to be Donald Trump, but it's fake news. Yeah, no. You know, it, but there is truth to a lot. Of, like, like I said earlier, you know, people together that long, for that period of time, playing under the spotlight like they are, of course, there's going to be friction. There has to be. They're not robots. They're humans. Mm. You know, there's going to be people that get mad about things or they feel slighted, but not to the extent that they have it, not to the extent that they can't overcome it. Yeah. You know, when you look at it from Belichick's point of view, too, we know how highly he thought of Garoppolo because he was gushing about Garoppolo after he traded him. And, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, I I think Belichick, by trading him to San Francisco, you know, he kind of controls the narrative here. If he really believes that Garoppolo is going to be that good or, you know, have a really, you know, better than average career, first of all, he wants to get him in the NFC, get him out of the the AFC. And second, he wants to get him somewhere where he's more likely to want to stay or at least at the very least get franchised by the the team. I mean, the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, if they didn't want to franchise Garoppolo at 23, 24 million, you know, then they're going to offer him a long-term deal. But if Garoppolo doesn't feel like that's a good place for him to, you know, play, that he'd get up and leave, and then he goes anywhere, and then Belichick loses control of where he's actually, you know, uh, putting him. It was kind of like, you know, in some similar ways when uh, Belichick traded J.B. Collins last year. He sends him to, you know, he banishes him to Cleveland where he knows he can't hurt him, you know, come back and and, and hurt the Pats. So. Yeah, because we're not going to see him in the playoffs. Well, right, right, you know. <laughs> and in this case, I mean, you're only going to see Garoppolo once every four years unless, you know, the two teams meet the Super in Bowl. In the, the Super Bowl, yeah. exactly. You know, exactly. so, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, interesting way of looking at it. All right, well, uh, we will uh, wrap up here. Uh, just want to uh, remind you, of course, uh, don't forget to follow us on social media search by searching Time Out for Sports Talk on Facebook and on Twitter uh, at TOSTBMC to get links to the latest TOST podcast as soon as they're available. This one's going to be up and available very quickly. Also, our next live uh, Time Out for Sports Talk television show will be coming up on Wednesday, January 31st at 8 o'clock, uh, our annual anniversary show. Uh, and, and Super Bowl preview. Uh, what 20, year is this one? Uh, this is going to be Super Bowl preview number 25, so t- it's the 24th anniversary. Right. Uh, first one being in 1994. And, of course, uh, the tradition will hold if the Patriots do make it to Minneapolis. We're going to be on for a full 90 minutes uh, uh, previewing the, the game, and we'll do our little tradition. We'll have to find a sports bar in some, uh, you know, the city of uh, you know, Patriots of opponent. Yes. Yeah, right, you know, wherever that happens to be. And, of course, so. after the Patriots win this week, we'll be back probably next week doing another one of these. Well, it was. Exactly. Yes. We're gonna exactly. We do have another one of those lined up as well. I was I was gonna say that. I mean, I, I can't believe that we've uh, you know uh, in the era of of our show here. I mean, we've done eight. Uh, you know, uh, Super Bowl previews that have involved the Patriots, eight of those 90-minute shows already, and you've been part of all of them. Yeah. You know, you go back to the first one we did was 1997, uh, Super Bowl 31, uh, 
Patriots-Packers. Still the only time we've ever had anyone predict the exact score of the game. (laughs) Didn't come out to do the show. No, no, he was calling from Green Bay, and he did not come out to do the show. So, uh, well, that was his loss anyway. Exactly. You know, there's a statute of limitations on that, too. I don't think if he suddenly called now and wanted to. Seven years. Seven years, statute of limitations. there, There you go. So, uh, all right. Well, Howie, this has been fun. Thanks yes. uh, for doing it. I'm looking forward to doing it again next week. How's that? I know I, you usually. There you go. I know I'm always saying uh, the that two letter word that you can't stand, but uh, yeah, if, yeah, yeah, right. If, when <laughs> four, I like the four letter word. When? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Want to uh, thank uh, Christopher Price too from uh, Boston Sports Journal. Uh, check him out again. That's uh, BostonSportsJournal.com and at C Price NFL again on Twitter. We're at TOSTBMC where we've got our links and everything. And uh, one who. Uh, uh, once again, uh, uh, till well, I guess again, until next time, for Howie McClellan, this is Todd Bloney. I want to thank you for checking out the TOST Toddcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. That's next week. 